All right, let's get in the Word. We are going to be in Math or uh, John 11, starting verse 1. And uh, I've been doing a lot of studying lately and praying, and uh, the Lord's been showing me different things that I've missed over the years of uh, in His Word, and it's been exciting. And uh, so we're going to be at John 11, and we've all heard this preached probably more often than several other messages, but we're going to still go into it. And it says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So, I don't know, that first line may be the worst English in the Bible. I mean, I read it and it's like it's kind of confusing. Uh, Except for when Paul says... All that about, I do the things I don't want to do, the things I don't want to do, I do, and then you get confused. That might be the other one. Uh, it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment. Okay, going on. So, the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And we're going to pray over this. So, Father God, we uh, we ask that you speak to us today, Lord. I pray that your message comes forth, Lord. I pray you speak exactly what we need to hear, Lord. I pray that our hearts will be completely changed. And, Lord, we'd be ready for what you're going to share, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I, uh, I really like how he says, uh, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Um, when I read that, one of the things that hit me was I don't know that we always remember what we're going through is for the glory of the Lord. I don't know that we always expect that what we're seeing, God's going to do something amazing in it, Right? I look at the apostles even in in Scripture. The apostles seen miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And still when it comes to the fish and the loaves, they're like, we have nothing. We need to send them home. Right? Their first thought wasn't, what is Jesus going to do? Even though Jesus was already ready to do miracles, that wasn't their thought. Their first thought was, we need to send them home. Yeah. Can't do it. And then you see throughout Scripture where they always doubt. Jesus is like, hey, I die so I can raise again. And they're like, no, you're not going to die. Right? They're always like, they were confused. And, and and when I read that about these guys, sometimes I sit there and I'm like, how are they so dense that they couldn't figure this out? And then I remember, I have the whole story written down for me and I still can't figure it out. Right? I still go through life sometimes not expecting God to do stuff. Let me rephrase that. I go through life most of the time not expecting God to do something. Just like they did. They saw it. We have it written down before it even happened, or they didn't know, but we have it now. We see everything He's still doing, and I think we still walk through thinking, what is going on? What is the Lord going to do? So now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. That's uh 
that's one of those things where a lot of people are like, why didn't he just go? And we know it's for miracle's sake and all that, but sometimes when we're going through something or whenever we show up somewhere and we're, we're ready for something to happen, I need to take that out because it's not going to work well. Uh, when we're ready for something to happen, we don't always... Um, we don't want to wait. We want it to happen immediately. And if it doesn't happen immediately, we do not expect it to happen at all. And then we, we, we grow weary or we just doubt or we think, I don't know, we just, sometimes we don't even show up thinking anything will. We don't even, like how many times do you come to church on Sunday thinking something amazing is going to happen today? Or how many times do you show up on Sunday and you walk in and you're thinking like, all right, I'm here. I'm going to worship the Lord. We're going to get a message and I'm going to go home. And we're coming into the house of the Lord. We're inviting the Holy Spirit here, and sometimes we're not coming in expecting anything. But what if we came in and we were expecting God to do something? We're like, what's He going to do today? Alright, I'm going to move on before I go too far ahead. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. The disciples said, Rabbi, the Jews are just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours in a day? If anyone walks in a day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. And he has to continue to tell them, you're walking with the light, right? You're walking with the Lord. You're, you're, you know, he's pointing out, you're not going to stumble if you're with me. And it's, you know, Jesus was never going to die before it was appointed on him to die. And we're not going to fail until it's appointed on us to fail. And we're not going to die until it's appointed on us to die. If we're following what the Lord calls us to do and we go into what the Lord's calling us to do, guess what? He will honor that. He will, He will, you know, you're walking in the light. There's safety in that. It's when you're not walking in the light that you're unsafe. And Jesus is pointing that out to him. Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover, is what the disciples said. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I'm glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his disciples, or to the fellow disciples, let us go that we may die with him. And I love that scripture. Those two verses are awesome to me. The fact that he just like he's dead. I'm glad he's dead because now you can see who I really am. And sometimes stuff has to look messed up for us to actually get that God is who he is because we don't walk into it expecting anything. And so he's got to make a mess of something and like, okay, let me remind you who I am now. Right? And I, I just love that Thomas is like, all right, let's go die. Thomas still doesn't think that anything Jesus is saying is going to happen. He still thinks they're going to die. He still doesn't believe Jesus is going to do a miracle. He still isn't trusting Jesus' words. He's still saying, all right, let's go with him and just die. And uh, Which is still a faith in itself. Like, I will die for this man. 
because I don't think he could do what he says he could do. And uh, I think some of us are more willing to die for God than allow God to, to expect God to do something major in our lives. We're a lot like Thomas. I always appreciate Mike because Mike tells me all the time how much he's like Thomas. You know, I recognize with Thomas more than any. That's what he says quite often. And I, that's an appreciation I have because I think a lot of us recognize that. Like we're a lot like him where we doubt. I have to see it to believe it kind of thing. There's no faith in it. It's more of a let me see it and then I can it'll be easy. Right. And that's the way Thomas was. He had to see God do something. He had to see what Jesus was doing before. I mean, he was going to die for him. I mean, that's that's love for Christ. But okay, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near to Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I I actually love that she said that. That shows that she knew that Jesus was capable of doing major things. She knew that Jesus was who he said he was. And sometimes we don't think when God is here, major things are going to happen. We think we're just going to sit in his presence and nothing major is going to happen. She could have said, I wish you were here. You could have at least, you know, comforted me. She didn't. She said, if you were here, my brother wouldn't have died. If you were here, good stuff would have happened is what she's saying. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise. That's faith. That's faith we should have when we show up that, God, you're here. Something is going to happen. Ann told me yesterday she doesn't want to be anywhere where the Holy Spirit's not. If she walks into a place and the Holy Spirit's not there, she doesn't want to be there. It's the way we should be. Because the Holy Spirit's there, something's going to happen if we allow it. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last days. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world That is a declaration that hardly nobody even had an idea of it. Nobody grasped the thought that he was who he was, and Martha did. She knew who he was, and she still expected something. I don't know that she knew her brother could be raised from the dead, but she did say, I know that you got to still do what you ask him to do. So I think there was a conflict there. She's kind of like, I know you can raise him from the dead, but I don't want to ask kind of thing. She went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was, And saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, 
my brother would not have died. Heard the same thing, both of them, knowing that if the Lord is there, he wouldn't have died. They knew what he could do. They knew what he could do, but one thing they didn't recognize is he's the Lord and he's there and he can still do it. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in the spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. And I like that. Jesus never looks at us whenever we, when we have doubt and we're sitting there and we're not expecting much and we're hurting and we're broken, he still feels it. He still knows that. He's never sitting there and like, why are you weeping? I'm here. Right? He never does that. He understands we're still sad. He understands our condition. And, and sometimes we can beat ourselves up thinking, I should have more faith than this or I should. Jesus didn't do that. He never, he never once said, hey, suck it up. Right? I would tell you that. I'd say, suck it up. Jesus is here. But he didn't. He was right there with them and he, he was weeping. So the Jews said, see how he loved him, but some of them said, could not he have, who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And I, I just want to make sure we recognize this, that they're still wondering why he didn't do what they wanted him to do. They're still stuck on the fact that he didn't heal him. And sometimes it's hard for Jesus to do something because we're still stuck on what we want him to do. It's the expectation thing. Sometimes we have an expectation for God, and when he doesn't do it, what do we get? Regret. That's a Dave Reynolds thing. It's a, you know, when you got set your expectations high, but they're not God's expectations, you're going to regret. And Jesus had a plan. If you remember, he stayed there two extra days for this plan to come through and he even told the apostles, I'm glad I'm here and I'm glad he died so you can see who I really am. But sometimes we have these great plans when they don't play out the way we think they do, when it doesn't look quite right. We're like, why didn't Jesus do this? Why is this like this? Why did God do this? Why did God allow that? Why this? Why that? And we're stuck in this thought process of, man, he could have done something. You would have thought God would have done something. And the whole time he is. The whole time God's doing something because we know that his plans work for his glory and for his good. Right? But we, we often think because it's not happening the way we think they should happen, that nothing's happening. Which also leads us to stop expecting God to do something because it's not looking the way we think it should. Jesus said, take away the stone. It's always one of my favorite. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? That's huge. If we believe, we will see the glory of God. How often do you take time and do you believe you're going to see the glory of God? 
Did you show up this morning expecting that the glory of God would show up? God was going to do something amazing. Or did you come in today just thinking, all right, we're going to go to church. We'll go to nine o'clock service. I'm going to go home or I'm going to go to Evansville afterwards. And then we're going to have a service there. Then we'll go eat or maybe we're going to hang out with the women. And you have this whole thought process of a plan of what you're going to do instead of showing up and thinking, wow, what's God going to do today? God's going to do something. His glory is going to show today. Sometimes we don't expect anything. We just show up. We're so used to being in the presence of God that we just think we're like the apostles. Well, might as well send people home. There's nothing going on. We can't feed them. We can't take care of them because we don't expect something to happen. We just don't expect it. And we know the rest that they took the stone away. Jesus came out and or Lazarus came out, and we know all that. Strips came off. And I want to look in Mark 6, and I'm going to try to cut this quicker here. But in Mark 6, I share this sometimes often, but I, I uh, it's verse 1. I think uh, oftentimes this verse applies as much to the modern-day church as it did to families and friends of the time. And it says, He went away from there and came to his hometown and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were astonished saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not the carpenter the son of Mary and the brother of James and Joseph or Joseph's or whatever that is, and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they got offended at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And I, and I think that's where sometimes the church lines up. This is his own household, and sometimes Jesus doesn't necessarily have honor here. We don't allow him to do a whole lot. And he could do no mighty works there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Now he's still doing work, even though nobody expected him to do anything. He's still doing some things. He's doing what he can, but the fact that nobody expected him to do anything, and there was no honor there that he could do something, he didn't. But if we came and we actually expected it, if we thought like, well, we're going in, people are going to be healed today, we're going to see sick healed, we're going to see the blind seeing, we're going to see um, depression gone, we're going to see we're going to see mighty works today when we get there, and I'm excited to see what God's going to do, and I, I expect a miracle when I get there. Guess what? We'll probably see more of them than we will when we just show up and it's like, all right, I wonder what's going to happen today. Because we just show up and do the same thing every time. And we don't expect God to do anything major when we show up. We just show up. Now this doesn't change our salvation. We're still saved. We're still the household of God. But sometimes we limit what He can do. Because we're not expecting Him to do much. And that's every day. What if you went to work and you're like, I'm I'm here I expect God to use me in a mighty way. But usually we get there and we're like, Lord, let this be a good day. You know, let let me 
Let it not be rough. But we're not going in and like, Lord, I expect you to do something amazing today. And I want to be a part of it. Use me how you're going to use me. I expect this. I know you can do it. And then if he doesn't, you're like, well, I'm sure he's building something for his glory. Maybe it's a two-day wait, so whenever something's ready, he's going to do it. But if we pray it daily and he's building it, guess what? It's going to happen if we expect it. And he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went about among the villages teaching. When the day of Pentecost arrived, oh, this is Acts 2, just so you know. And uh, most of us have seen this, but I just want you to see, I want to remind us of what happens whenever the apostles actually believe, and they wait, and they expect something to happen. Things change. I want us to remember that, because I think this is the first time where every last one of them were expecting something to happen. And, uh, of course, once you see Jesus raised from the dead and ascend into heaven, you got to expect when he says, hey, something better's coming, you got to expect something's going to happen. Even though only 125 of them stayed, or 120 of them stayed out of the 500, those 120 were like, something's going to happen. They expected it to happen. But they had no idea what it would look like. They stayed not knowing what it would look like. And, uh... Who knew what it would look like? When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared on them, and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in the in in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, and in, at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in their own tongue. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of them, each of us in our own native language? And I... I I just imagine that they were sitting there expecting God to do something. Never seen anything like this, though. They're they're probably sitting there thinking, "What do you think he's going to do? Are we going to see people healed? Are we going?" They had to be dumbfounded, like you know, we we imagine by what we've seen. That's what our thoughts are. What we've seen is all we can think of. Nobody's ever seen this, and they're sitting there expecting God to do something. And it was far bigger than they could have ever expected. But they waited. That wasn't even a two-day wait. That was a 40-day wait. Forty days they waited. Some were leaving, but most those ones stayed. And we know from this moment, Peter gets up speaking. Peter, the one who, you know, is usually harsh and... uh usually the one standing back and trying to figure this stuff out, he stands up and he speaks, and 3,000 are added to the kingdom of heaven because they waited expecting something to happen. And when we show up and expect something to happen, God can do something. But whenever we we don't give Him honor and we don't think anything's going to happen, it's not going to be a whole lot happen. It never did. 
we have to start expecting it. And I, I think of the movie, uh, the TV show, that Chosen. And there's a scene in the Chosen, probably maybe my favorite scene, is while the apostles are, you know, his followers are all over bickering about, you know, where they came from and all that. And you may not have seen it, but it, uh, they're bickering and they're acting like, like men act, you know, like trying to figure out who's right or why weren't you here or why this and, and they're distracted by, by worldly stuff and by being human. And Jesus is out doing mir- miracles. He's healing. He's healing people. He's laying hands on people and he's doing it to the point of at the end of the scene, he comes walking in and he's so exhausted from all the miracles. He could hardly move. And it still takes time to hug his mom and love his mom. But, but that's what Jesus wants to do. He wants to pour himself out so much to us. But we're sometimes over here on the other side being, being people, being human and not allowing it. Those other people were expecting miracles. They showed up expecting what is it, what's going to happen here, right? Lame people are walking up to Jesus and we see it throughout scripture and, and you're thinking, well, that's a TV show. Not all that's in the Bible, but it actually tells us in the Bible he did so many miracles. All the books in the world can contain it. So that's what, I mean, that could be happening. If we expect it, he can do it here. I would imagine at those times when they're bickering and they're trying to figure out over the time period who was the greatest among them, who's going to sit on the left or the right. I imagine after Jesus died, they were probably thinking, I wish I would have been over where he was at. I wish I would have been paying attention more. I wish I would have been more in. Now, Jesus didn't think that way. Jesus said they had to grow. I gave them my Holy Spirit. Now they got it. But if we expect the Holy Spirit to show up, if we expect Jesus to do miracles here or wherever we're at, He'll start doing them. They may not look how we think they should, but He'll start doing them because that's what He does. He does what His Father in Heaven does. Right? So I'm going to close here in a word of prayer, and I just want you to be reminded that... uh that we have seen that here too. We have, you know, Pastor Chad, a year and a half ago, sitting in this prayer room, and the Lord tells him, I want you to start doing online services. I want you to start doing this. I want to grow you. He's like, and God even showed him that there's a possibility of a footprint in Henderson and a footprint in Evansville. And the whole time Chad's just laughing and like, Lord, how does this even happen? And, and God told him, it's closer than you think. And I know Jason remembers that. He was in the meeting when Chad came into the elders meeting afterwards and he told us God's laughing, or he's laughing because God said we're closer than we think to all this stuff. And all of us are just sitting there amazed like, how does this work? Kind of like the apostles, right? They're sitting there, or all the disciples, the 120 on, a, on Pentecost Day sitting there like, what's going to happen? We didn't know it was going to happen. We didn't know two weeks later a pandemic's going to hit and everything's going to shut down. We were forced to be online within two weeks of whenever that was. It's closer than you thought, right? And then stuff just starts going on. Everything starts happening. Next thing you know, we have a building in Evansville. But what that did for us whenever the pandemic happened was it made us rely on God completely here. 
And we've always been a church who pursued God and a church that had a heart for the Lord, but we weren't always fully trusting. We often allowed our finances to dictate what we did here. When we felt like we were supposed to do something, we'd be like, we don't have the money to do it. We'll go broke. But what we learned from that was, you just do it and God will provide. You show up and you expect God to do something and He will. And I go back to when we picked up this baptism, baptismal, and Chad has me going down to Tennessee, and he's like, I don't know if we're going to have the money to pay all the bills, but God's telling me we have to go get this thing. So John and I drive down and we get it. We pick it up, costs a thousand dollars. Doesn't sound like much, but it is on a broke church. If 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 you wonder how much money we had at the time, Jason and Tracy can tell you it wasn't much. We didn't know how we'd pay everything. We drove down and we got it. When we came back the next day, there's a thousand dollars check in the in the uh, mailbox out there waiting on us. But it came in that Saturday while we're down getting it, right? From people we didn't even know. Just said, "Hey, use this how it blesses you." And it's the exact amount that we paid for that, and that, and we started learning. All right, as we're obe- obedient, as we're expecting. You know, Tracy would come to us and say, hey, I don't know if we have the money to pay this or how this is going to look. We're going to be running low. Should we send this out? And we'd say, yes, we're going to be obedient to the Lord. We're going to expect Him to honor what He told us to do. So we would, we just started living out of obedience. We started living out of expecting God to do something, and it changed everything. We were down to $100 at one time in the account here, and it just started going back up because we were being obedient. And, and if you don't believe me, Jason's there. He watched it. He keeps, he keeps track of our finances for us. And it's the obedience in the Lord and expecting that God's going to take care of things and do something is what got us a second building. We couldn't have done that. It's what got all this work done in this building. It's what got, got us where we're at today. It's what got us more people preaching than just Pastor Chad. It's obedience and saying, okay, God, do what you're going to do. But if we expect God to do something, He will. If we don't, and we're just sitting around lazy and like, I don't know, God. He'll do some things, but He ain't going to do near as much. So, I'm going to pray. And uh, then you guys are released. If you need prayer, you need to talk, any of that, we'll be here. But, uh, and as Jason said, it's going to be a more relaxed service on nine o'clock because we don't want to, uh, we don't want anybody feeling pressured. We don't want to, we're just going to go, we're going to be kind of free with all this and, uh, just the way we're going to do so. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for who you are. Jesus, we thank you that, we thank you that you loved us so much that you died for us. We thank you that we know that you rose for us. Lord, you paid for our sins. And we have the promise of resurrected life, Lord, just as Martha said. And we thank You for that, Lord. And that is enough. But Lord, we know You want to do so much more. And we expect You to do so much more, Lord. So so help us be prepared, God, when we walk in to here or into Evansville, Lord, at work on Monday, God, into our own homes. Let us expect You to show up and do something, Lord. Help change our hearts in it, God. Let us be so focused on You, Lord, 
that we never wonder how it's going to happen, that we just, we just wait for You to do it. Lord, You do far bigger things than we can imagine. And sometimes we limit You, Lord, by, by what we think should be going on or how it's going to look, Lord. But let us help us not to do that, Lord. Help us to release all our expectations. Help us to let go of, of how we want things to look, Lord, and let us just come and expect You to do something major, Lord. To expect You to do what You're going to do, Lord. Let us not grow weary in waiting, Lord. Let us give You all the glory and all the praise in what You're going to do, Lord. Father God, let us use us, Lord, to help others get there. We thank You. We love You. And we're so grateful for all You do for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.